Ladies and gentlemen, you're about to experience the Gut Check Project, talking science, health, and innovation that you can actually use. But this isn't just another health show. We're here to have fun and make your time enjoyable. Well, while you are enjoying yourself, know that even though the GCP covers some health topics with healthcare pros, we are not your doctors. So use our show to entertain your mind and not for medical advice. And now, here are your hosts of the Gut Check Project, Dr. Ken Brown and Eric Rieger. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Gut Check Project. I'm Eric Rieger here with this awesome guy, Kenneth Brown. And we've got ourselves an awesome person who's always with us, but you never get to see him, Paul Rogers. Dude, I got to tell you, that was one of the best intros you've done yet. Yeah, I wish you would let me record it. So I wouldn't have to say it new every time. So in case that voice sounds really familiar, this is Paul Rogers. He does the production for the Gut Check Project, and he does the voiceover in the intro, which I'm going to say, you got the compliment of my wife, who is very hard to please. She was listening, <laughs> and she said. <laughs> Hi, Loida. <laughs> hey. Loida said, that guy in the beginning has a great voice. Nothing about her husband having a great voice, but the guy in the beginning has a great voice. She, and then she's like, Thank you, Loida. Is he handsome? And I'm like, I'm going to show you. He's right our there. next guest. <laughs> Just because you said that, Loida, there he is. So he thank has you a for great allowing voice, me and to he's be handsome. on the Gut Check Project. Yeah, yeah, and he's also my fashion consultant, which you can tell right now that I've, I've spoofed up the digs a little bit because Paul is somewhat of a life coach for me and Eric. So right. welcome to the show, Paul. Thanks. Absolutely. I'm, I'm so excited to be here. So the great direction, the great cuts, everything that we've had up to date has really been this guy to my right, Paul, who's helped us with build a remote studio. You've helped us on the cuts. You've got us in remote locations. You're the one who helped us with uh, the idea of set design and along with Drew, pieced some different things together. So Paul, up to date. Thank you for all of that. What do you think of the show? Have you ever watched it? <laughs> <laughs> no see what i do is i just i wait for my little intro where you guys talk crap about me and then once you say three two one i just cut it there and then i wait till you say thanks guys at the end and just cut the end and then i just add your intro and outro and i do my voiceover every time just for you guys and loida you're welcome um and then that's it no so, i love the show i think it's i you know uh with me if i don't love something i'll never give it any ideas because i won't get any and there are a lot of ideas I have for you guys. I think we were speaking about it right before the we show were. started. So just what he's mentioning is before we actually uh, start, we'll, we start to record, and then we always say something to Paul, and it's usually very inappropriate, which never makes the show. So, uh, But it's some of our best stuff. <laughs> it, is, it really, really is. <laughs> so through the encouragement of you, Paul, you were – in our early days when we were still at Spoonie and kind of feeling out, you know, do we have content here? It was you who approached us and said, I think that what y'all need to do is really bottle your, your energy and put it towards a non broken. Cause at the time we were, we were breaking for traditional radio breaks and Spoonie was nice enough to kind of give us that, that insight. But you said, take what you're doing here, put it into a solid show. And this really kind of talked, exactly about what y'all want to do from topic to topic how did how did it how did you know that's what you wanted to to produce because what ken and i get from patients and people who write in that we don't we have not even physically met yet they actually like what we do and we didn't even know that anybody would like that 
I mean, whenever I heard your stuff, I mean, I, I met you guys four years ago. Holy cow, has it been that long? Been that long? I think it's been, I've been in the new studio for two years. Wow. And maybe even five, four or five years ago. Because how long were you at Spoonie? Six months, seven months. I don't it was remember. close to a year. I, I remember was, that. I think I it was think pretty it was close, close to a year. year. I'm pretty sure it was. And I met you guys, and we got along real well, just kind of instantly connected. And I was listening to a lot of your stuff. So my whole family's got a lot of gut issues and a lot of things that they just, you know, can't ever get around. And I've had my fair share of things. And it really interested me. And coming from somebody that wasn't in a scientific or a medical background, learning about it and really enjoying it, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that means something. Because if I can enjoy it and not really being a part of it, and even that just made it, I was like, okay, there's something here. And then seeing your personalities, it's awesome. So I don't want to make this about why you targeted the show, but more or less uh, what I think that you have is a great vision for what people could turn into something that somebody else would want to consume, which is why I think that you got into fashion, which is why I think that in your studio, which is lined with amazing art, I think a lot of it is produced by your mother. Yeah. And uh, you've got, uh, this is only one of four uh, sound sets that you have. You have a reading room. You've got a uh, high-level production. What is it that gives Paul the edge on finding talent to come in and, and do stuff here? So, I built this place based on creativity, mm-hmm. right? I built it from my perspective. Mm-hmm. And that's where I that's where I just wanted to do. I wanted to make sure that it was in my perspective of being in a place where I felt safe and I felt comfortable and I wanted to create. I wanted to evoke creativity whenever I walked into the building. I wanted to want to be here. You know, I wanted to create a creative space that took me away from the outside world. Okay. Right? So I met how I started that right so i'm an idea guy i love getting ideas and i love getting them out there so when people come to me or whenever i see people creating content i'll if if there's something there i'm not saying that i have all the ideas but ideas just come to me like i just that's just what happens and i like to spit them all out as i can so when i see people that have potential of being able to bring something to somebody to, as an entertainment and educational value mm-hmm. that just it lights me up and there are certain ways to do things especially when the personalities of the individuals or individual that are giving that content have ways to connect with people i'm a big connector of people like i love to make people feel comfortable i love making people feel like they can be themselves um and i think that's what the world wants to see in a lot of this is that it's 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 we're so tired of narrative this narrative that it's more of i want to see you you know why do you think reality tv is so big sure you know i mean whether that's real or not but it's showing the real lives of something and i think that if we as content creators and as humans can be more of ourselves people gravitate towards us because we're in a very comfortable and confident space whenever we can finally be who we are, you know, and that's what I look for. And then I try to put that on a lot of my clients and people that I work with is just, you know, don't worry about anybody else, right? Create the content that is passionate and that, that, that that's full of passion for you and people will come to you. You know, if you've got something great to talk about, don't make it for other people. You know, make it in something that you love and feel passionate about because you don't have to pretend to love it. You don't have to pretend to be anybody else that you that you're not. 
you can just be you and then create something and an audience will follow. And that's what I think people stray away from is they have to pretend to be someone all the time and then it becomes stale. Well, so we, I want to get into the backstory of this because this is, this is sort of the behind the lens episode. The studio's amazing. It's incredible art everywhere. It just, it really does. Like your vision of having a creative place is amazing. What is um, interesting to me with some of the conversations that we've had is you developing uh, as sort of a producer and a director as well, because you have people coming in that shoot commercials. You do commercials, big level commercials. You do multiple podcasts. You do interviews. You do these things. Everything. And we were talking where sometimes the person comes in and they're trying to be something they aren't. How do you get somebody to really peel back and just be themselves and you get that on camera? Well, from experience and seeing other directors work and other people interacting with talent and artists or even just regular humans that don't get behind a camera very often, because that's some of the hardest times. You know, you see a lot of abrasive acts, a lot of abrasive culture in that from director to talent or whoever is there. Mm. And I think that's, I don't, I don't work that way. I'm very different than that. You know, um, I come from a background where it's like, just be who you are and that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. So I let them know that whatever you are is wonderful and I want to capture that because that's what I want. You know, that's what everyone else will want. Don't sit here and be all stiff robot trying to do this. Just let's just be you, you know, and talking to people as, as they are as humans and being accepting of whatever they're going through. Another thing is, is, you know, to piggyback off what, how to make them comfortable is I just allow them to have their emotions, let them to be, let them be scared. It's okay to be nervous. That's great. We're all nervous. Now that we're nervous together, let's have some fun. You know, there's a lot of ways to do it to where people don't feel like they're being forced to do something. That's what I like to do. Even when I direct any kind of commercials or direct any even short films or anything like that. And I'm like, stop trying to overact. Don't do that. That's, that's, you know, it's like William Shatner in Star Trek. You know, we don't, you don't, you just don't do that, right? You know, it's like, okay, William Shatner. Unless you're playing a role with a mockumentary on William Shatner, and then you really have to overact. Oh, you have to overact yeah. the overactor. Yes. Right, because you look at Star Trek, you're like, wow, that really is William Shatner in Star Trek. It's not like, wow, he's his character. Because I don't even remember his character. All I remember is William Shatner yeah. in Star Trek. Right. It was like Star Trek featuring William Shatner, you know, but it's just it's 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 making people feel OK in their own skin. So my background in a nutshell was I was never OK in my own skin. You know, I was obese until I was like 24, 25. Really? Yes. And so I never was comfortable in any of my skin at all. Um, so I learned to cope with that. And then I, it made me accepting of other people not being okay in their own skin. So my first goal when I direct anything or when I talk to anybody about content is let's make you feel, forget your content right now. Let's make you comfortable in your own skin for a bit. And then we can go from there. I like to empower because when you empower someone and lift somebody up, they are, I mean, they have capabilities beyond their own imagination. And that's what I like to pull out of them. As, deep as that is sorry that's that's just the way my no, mind works no i love that i love the fact that you're open that you 
have this baggage that is the that you struggled with obesity up till 24 but that allows you to be extremely empathetic towards anybody you work with right because you have clients in all walks of life that's every 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 kind of thing you can think of i've got clients all over and i i can i i make it and because i am that way is i can fit in with any client whether it be you know incredible scientist researcher doctor Mm -hmm. No hints dropping right here. Just <laughs> right, but um, we knew it wasn't us when you said incredible. Yeah, that's, right. Like, yeah. As soon as you so, said that, we're like, he's not talking. You're about like, us. dang it, who? That who? was almost us. I can't. That was almost us. I can't wait to meet these people. I know, right? Yeah. They're really neat. If you guys want to learn <laughs> how to ever, do stuff, you know, talk to them. Whenever you describe us, I can see what it is. It's like, are those guys good doctors? They're like, they're good enough. Yeah, they're all right. Well, it's kind of like you know, what do you call a a doctor that you know got one point above passing? doctor a doctor yeah that's, that's right. it no matter what yeah. right no 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 but and and then i have people that do i was gonna say defendant but okay. <laughs> i mean you could i mean tomato tomato right yeah. i mean you know you, know, you gotta do whatever payer you yeah. are no in, in all transparent yeah i know uninsurable <laughs> malpractice uh, yeah. yeah okay you know in all transparency for everybody watching i am so anal retentive no pun intended for the butt doctor, but um, <laughs> like I'm gonna get up right now and I'm gonna go make sure we're recording because I'm always looking at the screen, leveling everything. So talk amongst yourselves, children. This is what he does. I know. Thank God he's getting up because I can't wear this fashion stuff anymore. Yeah, I'm take it off. I'm hot. So everyone, in case you aren't watching, I'm the only one who's still on cam, <laughs> but that's okay. Ken's Ken's already back. He's he's stripped out of his oh. of his fashion stuff. Paul has run to the control room. And is now coming back. But, Paul, while you're getting set and putting your, your headphones on, I've got a question. I do apologize and about that. I just, I have, I'm a, such a control freak. Oh. And I have to have it working perfectly. If you watch us on, on our set, I have, my, I have my computer right there. And I'm constantly looking at it just to make sure. It, like, good. Recording. Good. Sounds going. Good. I thought you had like an assistant or a pet. He does. <laughs> it's his right hand. That's it. Oh. To work the computer, Paul. Of course, no, no, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you guys are never inappropriate. The question, <laughs> the question I have for you is: anybody who could find themselves struggling with stuff, and you, mm-hmm. you brought up, you know, up until twenty four that you had an issue that you needed to find your comfort zone, and as you put it, with yourself. Did you have someone, or a reference, or a, a collage of different things of people, or ideas, or books that kind of empowered you to say it's okay i'm i'm fine i'm gonna find my way and i'm gonna find my own happiness so i'd love to say yes Mm -hmm. but no because that for me that didn't work um you know i always followed like arnold schwarzenegger and i always wanted to i had his encyclopedia of bodybuilding and but that doesn't make me strong Mm -hmm. that doesn't make me mr olympia you know what i mean um my son was about to be born and i made a choice so as soon as he was born it was either do it or don't do it uh that's that's what i had to do i had to make the choice because you can get all the books and all the mentors in the world but they can't do anything to you until you make the choice to make that switch Mm -hmm. to make the change um so i didn't put my faith in other people you know i i have an issue with that it's like putting your faith in other people instead of putting your faith in the person that's actually going to make the change first. Sure. 
then being able to have some encouragement. I love the encouragement side. And I always got encouragement from people like, man, you're doing so great. You look great, man. It's, it's amazing what you're doing. I love that. But I needed to make that choice mentally. And that's what I think a lot of people don't realize is that they, you know, they can go all the, they can go listen to all the podcasts and all the books and all the everything, but it starts within. And if you don't make that, I don't mean, yeah, I guess I'll kind of do it. No, it's either yes or no. There is no in between on that. There is no try. It's either you do it or you don't do it. And that's what it has to be. It's either an on and off switch. If you give yourself leniency or if you give yourself an out or another option, we're humans. We'll take it. You know, we're always looking for an easier way. That's our, that's human nature, right? That's survival. We want to make sure that we can, ah, well, if this is easier, I'll just do it. take it. It's easy. But we, you have to force, I had to force my mind into being uncomfortable all the time in order to grow to where I wanted to be. So let me clarify that. When you're talking about you were obese till you were 24. Now that you've, fitness is a real part of your life and all this, looking back on it, was there any type of emotional component that was resulting in some of the obesity? Um, possibly. You mean that contributed to the obesity? Mm -hmm. Any kind of emotional things going on? Um, yes and no. I, I um, struggled a lot with not knowing my dad and that, I didn't meet him until I was 16. Oh. So that kind of bothered me because he just like literally didn't want me. And that kind of freaked me out. I didn't understand why. Uh, you know, now I, it's whatever. But back then I didn't understand, you know. And oddly enough, that's what happened with my son, Brandon. Now my 16-year-old is that because I've had full custody of him since he was six months old. So it's interesting that we went, we literally have like parallel childhoods, but just opposite Opposite parent. Opposite parent. Yeah. Which is very interesting. So that, I think there was a lot of, I grew super fast when I was young. So I was just eating everything. But which in turn made me hate myself even more. So it was like I ate more, got depressed, ate more. Do you remember that cycle? Not as aware as, I'm not, I wasn't as aware as I am now. But when I look back on it, I'm like, whoa. I, I'll, I only say that because... Um, I'll only ask that question because I feel like the as long as you and I've known each other that um, you you really don't allow yourself to escape the vision of a positive possibility. And I don't know that Ken and I have ever really truly visited with you about this, but when we were trying to figure out what do we need to do with this opportunity to to make a show, this guy Paul says that we've got people who would like to hear it. And that we should continue to do it. And, and, uh, and in fact, when discussing, I remember when we sat at the table uh, over at the old studio, we sat there with Paul and I remember saying, how do we know exactly what kind of content that we need to keep creating? We've, we had found a few guests to come on, but we didn't really know. And you said, what inspires y'all to make a topic? What inspires y'all to research something? And it was a blend of things of personal ideas and, and also being presented with questions. I said from, that. Yeah, you said wow. personal ideas, but but uh, we had we Smart had guy. that. <laughs> you guys are in good hands. And no, dude, seriously, no. some of the work that you've seen, I, I look at him and I'm just like, he's a hell of a producer when he's sober. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But sober, so boring in life, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, no one ever asked me how I lost the weight, yeah. and whenever I divulge that it was methamphetamines, everyone's like, 
what? And I'm like, listen, my teeth may be fake, but look where I am today. Yeah, that's a good point. Right? Hey, listen, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And it's just there. <laughs> I will uh, just go ahead and say thanks. I'm not going to keep giving you compliments on that part because... <laughs> But no, seriously, it was it was awesome that you were able to recognize and and it to me your your element of the way that you apply positivity is feels like that you've left the that old part behind. You're like, yeah, that was a part of me and it's gone now. Yeah, well, it's not, but because I think that once you allow, you know, it's like you never know where you're going until you know where you've come from. Okay, right. So because of that. I know what it feels like to hate myself. I know what it feels like to be uncomfortable in every situation. And I don't want people to feel that way. Yeah. I, I, I hate that for people, right? And if I can be just this much of a light in somebody's dark mental thoughts or just darkness of like uncomfortable or self-conscious stuff where they can't move forward because the only way that we can move forward is if we get out of our own ways out of our own way and a lot of people just stand in their own way a lot because of insecurities and because of all that so because of where I'm, I'm from and that I know that I, I climbed out of that hole I'm able to I just want to just try my very very best to get other people out of those holes because it's it's so detrimental and we have one life man and if we sit at the end of our lives talking about what if, that is the worst. That, that's my biggest fear whenever I am on my deathbed or whatever, right before I go is, man, what if I'd have done that? What you're describing is interesting. When we did the episode that was supposed to be about the pantry and we put Sam Harris in the pantry and it's about living in the moment. It, yes. It just hit me that you have been an artist your entire life. We're going to get back to what you'd studied, which is sure. cool. Yeah. To where you're at now. But when you are working with a client, especially the vulnerability that you're disclosing right now and getting them in their vulnerable periods, like being nervous in front of camera, representing a company, people are, you know, buying time. You're in the moment with them. You're with them. You your job has made it so that you are in this zone with people. So you are in the moment. Correct. You are neither worried about the future or lamenting the past when you're doing your job. Which right. is amazing. Well, see, and and that's and that's half right because part of me, when I'm talking to them, I'm I am in that moment because that's all that matters. Because if the moment doesn't work out, the future production will not work. Mm. No matter what, if they're not okay in that moment that we are living in at that moment, the future production will never get to where it needs to be, right? So in my mind, in the other half of my brain, I'm like, we're gonna make sure the moment's good so that the final product can be okay. So one half is thinking about making sure that they're saying the right things to make the production great. But then my other half of me that's speaking to them is being like, just do it right here. It's just us. That's all it is. I did this um, um, really cool, um, super small, like testimonial documentary thing about this um this tiny home project here in fort worth that they're building for um homeless people and uh batter women and things like that really really cool thing and we brought a couple of the women uh in to do some testimonials on it mm -hmm. that came from that life mm -hmm. like homelessness complete addiction to drugs um some prostitution like literal the very bottom of what they would call their existence and what they called the very bottom for them. 
And I, I'll never forget that the, 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 one of the ladies came in and she was super reserved and very sweet, very nice, but was not opening up like I knew she could because when, you th- when, you, when you've got issues or whenever you think you have issues, talking to someone as you, it's very daunting because you're like, you're going to judge me. You've been judged your whole life, right? And now I'm talking to you and I'm going to be vulnerable and you're going to judge me. So I'm going to shut down, right? So that's how she was. It's just, that was her defense mechanism, right? She came in and there were a couple people in the room. We went through the whole testimonial once and I was like, okay, that was amazing. And you're so strong for doing that, right? I'm so proud of you. I love to say I'm proud of people because I am, because it takes a lot. It's like that person in the gym lifting five pounds and that's it. He's in the gym or she's in the gym whenever this person over here is not, right? So don't go after the competition, you know, just go after you're doing something. Mm-hmm. And that's what matters is you got to do something. Otherwise, it, nothing will get done. Anyway, so after she was done, I asked everybody to leave the room. And I just sat and talked to her. And I said, tell me about your emotional side of things. Cry if you need to. I don't care. I just want to know. Because I've been through similar situations. And I want to make sure that I'm not wrong for what I felt. You know, and she started talking about it. And I was recording and um, I just asked her the same questions again, and she went through it and tearjerker. The entire testimonial mm. was incredible. She cried a little bit because she felt okay. She talked about her strengths and the empowerment and how she is in an amazing space now, and it's, it's, it was incredible. Brought tears to my eyes, and afterwards, she hugged me. Never met the lady in my life, hugged me, and she goes, just thank you for allowing me to tell my story the way that it's supposed to be told. And I said, that's what I was trying to get across, because you can hear a success story, you know, how I built this and all this stuff, but no one talks about the, the parts where you hate yourself and you think things are going to go bad. And that's what I think is... Um, with my, my company's mission statement is, you know, giving brands a human element. And I believe that that is a, the biggest disconnect in everything is the human element. You know, and even when I listen to some of the, you know, big motivational speakers and all these things, I'm like, God, oh, that's a great act, you know, <laughs> but there's no emotion. Yeah. There's aggressiveness. And put on, but let me hear what you feel. Or like, let's bring in the empathy. Don't just sympathize with me because you're supposed to. Like, let's feel some stuff. And I can always tell when someone's just speaking instead of listening and adapting what they're saying to what's going on. It's just very blanket. I hate blanket stuff. And I don't think things should be that way. So I'm going down a rabbit hole. I like, I I just... It's, it was just that experience was super cool to me, and that's what I, I live for. And not all of them are that serious, but I've, I've not had one person after a, after a shoot be like, God, it was hard to work with them. They were all like, thank you for making me feel comfortable because that was really hard for me. I'm not used to this. And I was like, and you shouldn't be unless you've been in a camera, in front of a camera your whole life. Just be you. That's all I want because that's good enough. You are great, and you were good enough. And that's what I like to get to everybody. Yeah, I think it's if people look at you and they're like, nah, there's no way this guy comes from this background of insecurity, this background of 
seeking stuff out, but everything that you've said that you're doing right now in your life is everything that you wanted back then. 100%. You're saying, I'm proud of you to other people, when really you wanted somebody to say, I'm proud of you yeah. for this. And 100%. That, um, I love when you, I, from a philosophical standpoint, what you said was we have to make the moment good so that the final product is great. Mm-hmm. Imagine living your life like that on a day-to-day basis. I'm like, I'm in the moment right now because these little moments are going to make the final product great, which is a lifetime, Being having that attitude going forward. Exactly. Cool. Because if we, we, we get so caught up on trying to make the final product incredible and we disregard <clears throat> and ignore the moment. But that final, and then we, we set ourselves up for failure every single time we do that. Because the final product paints itself if the moment is, 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 is good. You use that philosophy on the other things that you're talking about, the gym and things like that, where people say, well, my, it's January. I'm going to be ripped. I'm going to do this, and that's the final product, and I'm going to have that Arnold Schwarzenegger encyclopedia thing, and I'm going to be the Mr. Olympia posters. I'm going to do this. But if you go in and live the moment of the day that you actually got out of bed and put your motion before emotions – and just do enjoy that moment and then those moments build up and then before you know it you're at the spot but this is what allows you to be so humble and so caring and adding the human element to your business is that you put these moments together and what you've accomplished now with everything here with your physique with everything is a moment to moment continual betterment i'm going to say where you empowered yourself to allow that to happen and, and, I'm not, now, and it's not easy I mean, it's a battle every day. I struggle with so many things because of where I was. Body dysmorphia and all that stuff. And, that's, and it's just one of those things that I, because of the moment, because sometimes it, it, it hits me hard and I'm just like, ah, I'm not where I need to be. Or, man, I just, I want to be here then and I forget. But I always come back and remind myself, it's like, you can't do that. You know, because I'm not perfect. You know, so I've got to sit there and think, okay, like for gym, at the gym, for instance, if I'm like, God, I just feel like I've let myself go the past few weeks. I've been eating kind of bad and I just feel terrible. Instead of thinking that way, you know, and just getting more and more in debt emotionally, right? You know, with the the negative emotions, I think about, you know what, what can I do right now to make myself feel better, right? Put the future behind me. I mean, put the future out of my head right now. Right. So what can I do right now to make myself feel like I'm back on track? Work out. Okay, cool. Now in this workout, what do you want to do? Well, I want to do this. Cool. Let's focus hard on that. Let's make these moments to be proud of yourself because if you can't be proud of yourself, it doesn't matter who's proud of you. So it's, you know, making these tiny little wins. Tiny wins are so great if you give them the value that they should have because tiny wins are phenomenal if you allow it to have the value the mathematical value within your psyche because we 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 forget tiny wins because how many in order to reach a big win Mm -hmm. you have to have tons of tiny ones whether it be mindset whether it be man i woke up at five o'clock this morning and i worked out that's a tiny win yeah be proud of yourself we let that go so we made reference several times on the show even about different authors and, and motivational people or just processes that talk about coming up with productive uh, habits 
in the morning to start your day. And a lot of that plays into exactly what you're talking about, whether it's every day I make the bed or every day I make coffee in this particular order or every day I set up and I'm, I make lunch for my kids if there's a house to send them out with. Whatever that routine is, those small little victories, even if it's a routine, you're right. I think it plays into your psyche that I'm already accomplishing these things, and it sets up your day, I think, for success. I can remember my own personal experience of being back when I was in college. People in college, you just have a different lifestyle. I was a drummer in a in a bar band, and so I often would stay out late and then you know, actually attending school there for a while. I shouldn't say it was an afterthought, but there were days that it just was. Right. And I wasn't getting up and establishing a productive routine. And then I actually had a, a professor one time that kind of shook, you know, shook it out of me like you're you're not doing what you need to do. Like it literally was it was the hammer that I needed. Yeah. You know, to hear. And I remember being really frustrated with his story towards me about what he thought of my effort. And it wasn't much. And uh and I was pissed at him personally. Then I realized I was only mad at him because I wasn't happy with me. Because it was truth. There, was, exactly there right. was truth in it. But I will tell you that it's not as simple as just doing something like making your bed, unless that makes you happy. But, or, you know, doing this and that, you have to make sure that these little victories, mm -hmm. those little victories are great, but you have to make sure that you're doing something for you. Sure. Because that's, people tend to forget that. You're right. Is that it's easy to get into a routine that is the same thing every single day but when you think about it realistically or when you break it down, you're like, you know what? I wasn't doing any of that for me because people tend to put themselves on back burners and take care of everything else. Like, for instance, um, like new mothers, right? Anytime there's, say, a new mother with a baby, they always put the baby first, right? They always say that. And I'm like, I understand what you're saying, but that's backwards because the mother needs to be happy which in turn will make the baby happy that baby was literally attached to you for almost a year feeding the same pulses feeding the same bloods feeding the same body as you and if you're not happy then that baby's not going to be happy there is that biological biological connection that they have to be okay so putting everybody in front of you is so backwards because it's kind of like what they say, happy wife, happy life. You know what I mean? But that's very true within all aspects of everything. Mm -hmm. Because if you're happy with it, it's like in, in, in relationship form, people think they can go out and find love. Right. And I'm like, that's not, that's not the thing. Right. Let's break it down because there's before you can find someone to love, there are two steps that you have to take. Before you do that. And they're like, what's that? And Humble. I'm like, huh? Humble? That's the fourth step. <laughs> no, I know, I know. No, it's actually the first step is plenty of fish. Because that's like the bottom of the barrel, right? No, no. Um, but there are there, there are there 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 are two steps. I'm just that, glad you didn't say Grubhub. <laughs> I mean You don't want to order you don't want to order that or uh, uh, DoorDash just to have somebody come by and hope that they love you just because they're bringing you food now or favor Instacart. favors whatever I mean, you never know <laughs> um but no there, there 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 are two things that people tend to forget and that is it's kind of like addiction right that like a, a sobriety like a 12-step program there's all these things where you had to accept the fact that you have a problem right so first step is knowing that 
you can't get to that future point until you fix what's inside. Yep. You have to accept the fact that you are who you are. It's just the way you are, right? Then you have to learn not to love somebody else, but you have to learn to accept and love yourself. And then love happens because then you're not worried. You're not riddled with, you know, this insecurity and all this stuff. It's, it, it makes it to where things are easier. You're more confident. People are drawn to you more whenever you have that acceptance of yourself. And I, that's exactly what I had to do. You know, um, I had to make sure that every day, no matter what my brain was doing to me, I walked out into the, into the, the wild, into the earth, accepting of whatever was going to happen with me that day, because I was in control. So I think that's part of the reason why social media has done such a detriment to people's mood, depression, anxiety. You said it earlier that, I mean, you have to begin with what you just said right there. Essentially be proud of yourself because somebody else's um, compliments to an empty shell if you're not happy, but that's what social media is built around. It's the, the fact that FOMO is a loosely thrown around vernacular now that you describe that that's what somebody is being preoccupied with and Fear what's of missing dri- out well and it's it's what's driving them it's not even necessarily they're chasing something that's going to be making them happy or what they even know makes them happy mm-hmm. they're chasing something they see someone else doing thinking that might bring me happiness or i need to compete with them for happiness and it doesn't you don't find it there you know what i wonder what's interesting about what you just said and what bothers me a lot is there's so many people that have fomo right chasing what could make them happy yeah. right but also because they don't understand it they're like oh my gosh i wonder right but then you've got a lot of people that hate or don't accept or these certain walks of life or certain ways of thinking and they don't have that fomo you know instead of being accepting Wait, you lost me on that one. so it's like You've got these FOMO, just like Eric was saying. You've got these, these FOMO, like, oh, they're chasing this happiness, mm-hmm. right? But then there are other forms of their life where they negate FOMO. They just, nah, I'm not even going to try to understand that. But it's interesting trying to say it in a way where it makes sense because it's like people are picky or kind of pick and choose what they want to accept and what they want to find out about. And it's like a lot of people say, um, you know, when it goes to different diets, right? They're like, yeah, I don't, I'm not even going to look at that. I'm not even going to look at that because I don't believe in that. I'm like, well, how do you know? Let's have some, I wish people would have more FOMO on bigger topics that they don't understand. Have you ever seen Ted Lasso? Yes. Do you remember the scene? I love Jason Sudeikis now because of that. I always thought he was kind of a douche, which he was. He is. (laughs) But after Ted Lasso, I fell in love with that man. There's a scene in episode one or two, I don't remember, where he's playing darts. Yes. and Yes, against that guy, right? What you just described is exactly what he said. And basically, if you've never seen Ted Lasso, it's a great series. Just go check it out. But he challenged the former owner uh, or the ex-husband of of his boss, at a bar in front of everybody. But the deal is he described exactly what you're saying. He's throwing darts and he goes, you know what? He goes, all my life I was underestimated and I was judged. And then I was driving my son to school one day and I saw a sign. It was a Walt Whitman quote that said, always be curious. He goes, and then it hit me. All these people that were judging me, 
they were not curious. They did not take the time to get to know me. Like you. You never asked, Ted, have you ever played darts? Bullseye. Bullseye. And he goes, why, yes, I have. <laughs> Every day from the age of 10 to 16, triple 20. Well, I played with my dad when he died when I was 16. Hit. And so it was the whole thing where it was, be curious. What you're describing is the FOMO is just be curious yeah. about life, about everything. You're so much happier whenever you're not instantly shutting things down and instantly hating on something you don't understand. Just be curious. And, and, and also, to couple that curiosity, why don't you just accept the fact that not everybody is going to be happy from the same thing? Oh, yeah, 100%. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, because I can look at you and be like, I don't like the way you're living, and that, 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 there, there, there's just no way. That makes me unhappy. Why? Why does that make you unhappy? You're putting so much value into something you know nothing about. You weren't curious enough about it to find out about it, and then you're coming up with this end, this, 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 this end emotion out of nothing. I would even venture to say that a lot of the time that you find someone, not everyone, but you find someone who happens to be very, very famous or popular or just recognized for something that they've developed, when they first started in that, they began working on it. So let's just pick your favorite musician. There were times that that musician probably chose to not necessarily be around his friends or uh, pulled himself away from going to Six Flags. There was some activity that he pulled himself away from and someone might have said, God, what is he going to go do? Play with that guitar again? He's terrible. He's not any good. And then suddenly, a few years later, everyone wants to go see that guy. And ironically, the same people who said, I can't believe he's going and doing that are like, oh, yeah, I grew up with so-and-so. And the weird thing is, is what I think that you're describing is it's okay to find inspiration in your passion. If you can do something. That's the only way to make things yeah. amazing. Is, but, but other people can enjoy your passion yes. if you pursue it. But it's also like in, 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 in my relationship, right? I have to tell, I have to understand and accept the fact I'm a creative. My brain works differently than someone that's, you know, not a creative, right? And I have to be, like, with, with Kate, I had to get to a point where I had to either accept or leave the fact that she'll never understand what my brain does. She'll never understand how a creative mind or how a creative functions because she's not one. I'm not saying she's not creative. But she's not a creative. Yeah, I got you. You know what I'm saying? That's not what's inside of her that drives her, right? Being a creative is just everything I have to do. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm not doing that, there's no point to me, right? There's, there's just, there's, and I had to accept that. And because not everybody is going to think that what I do is amazing, you know? Not everybody's going to find the same happiness or the same complete feeling that I feel gets different. Is that how your mom raised you? Yeah. My mom raised me to just be me. And my mom's a wonderful being. She's, She's awesome. Oh, yeah. She's a creative. And she allowed me to be whoever I wanted to be. And, you know, she's just, she was super, very, very supportive you know, um, when it came to everything, if I wanted to do this, she's like, do it, try it, have fun with it, but go, go all out. And that's how I am with, with, with my son. 
Brandon, I said, I don't care what you do, man. But when you do it, you better go all in. Otherwise, that's not trying it. That's just playing in it for no reason, right? So I tell him, I say, I don't care what you do, man. Do what makes you happy, but go all out. That way you have a full knowledge, whether you like it or not, or whether it has potential to make you happy. Because if we don't put all in, we'll never know what we can actually get out of it. And that's what I think a lot of people do is they'll, they'll dabble. And I'm like, that's, that's, a, that's very detrimental to your happiness. Because it's kind of like a jack of all trades and a master of none. That's cool. But when have you ever focused so much on something that you can be like, I'm proud of where I am in that one thing, in that one skill? Do either of you guys know where the phrase YOLO came from? You only live once? You only live once. I don't know. I haven't heard a lot from those people that said that a lot, so I didn't say it in well. it was well. a phrase being thrown around a little bit. Yeah. When people would do something, they'd quit their job or they'd do something irrational. YOLO. YOLO, quit my job, doing whatever. It's actually, and I'm going to get this, I, this I'm going to get some of this wrong. I heard an interview, and I think it was somebody from the Grateful Dead. They had a ranch. Him and his wife bought a ranch, and they called it YOLO. You only live once. And it came from the idea that this ranch came for sale. They bought it together. And the exact opposite of how today's society says, YOLO, you only live once, so just screw it and just move on to the next thing because life's too short. It's the exact opposite mentality of if we're going to do it, we're going all in. And so he stayed married with his wife forever. They had this ranch. It's called the YOLO Ranch. And the concept behind it was go all in. That's like, amazing. Like once you do it, you go all in. And right now, and I only say this because I heard this when, like when we were traveling with Baby Bathwater, I... I hear people that say, oh, man, you know, YOLO, I just ditched my job, and I'm just backpacking around Europe. I'm like, that's cool, I guess, I think. I don't know. doesn't fit my personality. Is it good? <laughs> I mean, because my mentality of what you're talking about is you only live once, so do it to the most. Make that moment count to let those moments build up. The little wins accumulate, and that is what you only live once should be. Oh, 100%. A because massive... you, can, you can chase after these tiny wins, but if you don't, go after the bigger win from the tiny wins, what's the point of these tiny wins? It's like we we need to, a lot of people say that they're scared of failure, but I also think that they're scared of success, you know, because I think there's the same. I think it's like this like double negative type thing. They're like, yeah, I'm, I'm afraid to fail, so I'm not going to try. I'm like, I hear that, but let's say you do try and you don't fail. Then all of a sudden, what happens then? Well, oh my gosh, then everyone's going to, see my success and what if they don't like so people i think associate failure and success in the same bundle that weird it is very weird because they're so opposite yeah but they're not and that's the thing is that success and failure go hand in hand and without i i used to be so scared of failure back in the day so terrified even when working out i'm like what if i just what if i never can change what if I'm just always going to be fat my whole life? I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not going to do it. I'm just not going to do it because what if, what if, what if, right? But failing to me has been everything. I love failing now because it's kind of like that whole thing with Thomas Edison. Whether it's a quote from him or not, it says it is. It's like, <laughs> you know, internet's a funny thing. I do believe everything I read, so on the internet. If it's on the internet, it's, it's just, it's even, true. Even all the stuff about Chuck Norris? <laughs> you know, killing two stones with one bird kind of stuff? Oh, you yeah. <laughs> you kidding me? You kidding me? I mean, him and him and Jesus were like homies. <laughs> like they were like actually Chuck taught Jesus how to fight. Yeah. 
How crazy is that? Chuck doesn't put doesn't do push-ups. He pushes the earth down. That's right. Yeah. He pushes the earth down. <laughs> exactly. Have you seen that that commercial where he's in a bar and they're like, with, the, with these two guys at a table and Chuck Norris at the bar, he's like, and they're just talking. It's a brand new commercial I just saw the other day. I'll show it to you later. Anyways, wait, well, you brought up Chuck Norris. Hold on. What were we saying? <laughs> We just derail. What was yeah? What, what no, was, we were talking about success and failure are are very close together, but failing is is actually somewhat enjoyable because of, yeah, I think oh, we're getting the, the, the whole Thomas Edison, whether it's him or not, kind yeah. of thing is like someone asked him. It's like, how does it feel to fail? You know, ten thousand times. He's like, fail. He's like, I didn't fail ten thousand times. He's like, I just figured out ten thousand ways not to do something. Yeah. Because failure brings knowledge. And I think people forget that or they don't pay attention to that. Every time you fail, what should happen? You learn from it. You learn what not to do. That's what I tell my son. My son started a photography business, right? He's 16 years old, getting clients. He's awesome. He's incredible. But he's so scared to do something wrong. And I look at him and I say, do something wrong. Please do something wrong. Because then when you do it wrong, and we acknowledge and we see that it's wrong. Mm -hmm. Now you know what to never do again. And he had he had something like this with with a with a shoot the other day. He just did not do something right, and he was beating himself up over it. And I'm like, you can beat yourself up over it all day long, but then you start to forget to do things in the future. You start to work. You you stay stuck in it, and we tend to keep doing the same mistakes whenever we can't be like, okay, how do we get past that or learn from it? So I told him. And I was like, will you ever do that again? He's like, well, no. And I'm like, okay, cool. Now let's learn how not to do it again. Let's learn ways to make sure that never steps foot into your talent. And that's what I tell people like in the recording studio with music or even during a production, I'm like, mess up. It's okay. We got these little cool things called memory cards. And it's not like the old days where I got to splice film together. We can take 100 takes if we want to. Let's take the stress off. I'm not asking you to be perfect because you're not. And that's why I love it. I don't want this to be perfect. I want to be proud of you for you, not because of your perfection. Mess up. Please mess up. I want you to because then we can get that BS out of the way. And people just relax. In addition to that, you're living that, but your son being able to come to you and say, I really screwed up on this, feeling comfortable enough to say that where many times if it's a boss if it's a parent and somebody screws up they hide it yeah so uh i don't know use it as a business perspective i want my employees if somebody screws up and overspends forgets a advertising thing and we lost you know seven thousand dollars in the quarter and something that should have been shut off come because if you don't then that's you know twenty eight thousand dollars that we're losing yeah let's fix it now right but having the confidence to come to your dad and be like, man, I really screwed up. And then having you say, that's fantastic. Yeah. That is awesome you did. I mean, don't get me wrong. Let's I'm a hard ass. Like, he knows. Well, he knows because you said, let's talk about that now. Yeah. Or are you ever going to do it again? And you just instilled in him to teach himself. You didn't have to be a hard ass to him. He realized that that's where it's at. And then, yeah. you know, that's the, that's the beauty and the fact that you didn't have a dad. And you're a pretty damn good dad. Oh, I appreciate it's it. It's pretty cool. I know I, I did have a father figure in my life, which I could never, never let that go. I mean, it was my, my, my stepdad who my mom and him uh, got married whenever I was like three and a half, four, mm -hmm. and they got divorced when I was seven. 
So he didn't have to stay in my life, but he did. He chose to. That's great. Because he just loved me so much. Yeah. And he, I guess he passed away like 14 years ago, I think, now. February. Let's see, it was Thursday. Yeah. I think 13 or 14 years ago now. And so that was my dad, my father figure. And he, oddly enough, he was a psychotherapist, super like world-renowned psychotherapist before the internet was around. And he traveled the world doing psychotherapy. So he taught me a lot about uh, affect theories and the way the brain should work and how to read people and how to get in touch with people in a way that made everybody that made everybody comfortable. So I learned a lot from him. He was like, he is the equivalent of what you see Anthony Hopkins play in every movie. Just this genius, just man, even Hannibal, smart. I mean, he was just smart and knew everything. And something about him you kind of liked, even though he was eating people. But you're like, son of a bitch, I like this cannibal. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's that's what he reminded me of in in life as a human form of an actor is just like that all-knowing, charismatic, just knew everything. Educated, had like three or four masters for just in all kinds of things that he just loved to look into. And I was like, well, that's cool. I was like, you going to be a doctor? He's like, nah, it's not for me. And I'm like, but you'll have like six masters. And he's like, yeah, it's not the school I don't like. I just don't want the title. And I'm like, okay, okay, Pop, that's cool. But it's, so I had to learn how to do that. And I've messed up a lot, you know, but I believe that allowing my kid to learn now than learn when he's 25 or 30 is a little bit better. At least kind of throw it into him now for a little bit. You you know? Know, it's kind of interesting. So, uh, my boys and I, we often talk about the future. They're both relatively still young. And what do decisions mean, whether it's career, enjoyment, different right. things like that. And uh, Mac, I think, will more than likely be some type of serial entrepreneur. He just he has that mindset. He's always trying to think of something that will apply. And I think that he has a lot of enjoyment behind that. He likes to, it's beautiful. to group people together. Gage... They have a lot of similarities, but Gage also, um, he thinks more about his functionality. And he has one pursuit right now that's I think that he didn't know he would have enjoyment in, but he loves it. He's he's trying to become a, a collegiate basketball ref. And he's putting in his time now that's doing awesome. it here in high school. The other side is he's going to graduate relatively soon uh, with a, a finance degree, and he's like, how do I start? I kind of he even told me I kind of feel like I might have imposter syndrome to go and and command a salary of like a of like an adult to do this kind of stuff. And then he voiced why he had that. And I said, but you've done all of these things to get to this point. And when you look around at your peers and when you're with everyone else, do you feel unqualified? Do you feel like that? This you, is this is this is gauge, right? Yeah. Like, do you feel like you're you don't belong with with these people to do these things around them when you're just enjoying yourself. And he's like, well, no. And I was like, then if you're where you're supposed to be, then everything becomes where you're supposed to be. And you'll know you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And if you're not comfortable doing what it is that you're doing, then leave. Yeah. Everything is an educational point for you. Uh, I'm not doing now what I was doing when I got out of college or in high school. Right. I tried something out, I took some education from it, and then moved on and went and did something else. And it just sounds like pursue 
what's making you happy. And that might even change. Yeah. It's okay. No, it's beautiful. Engage if you're listening, which you probably not. But if you do, those companies want you not to believe in yourself. They want to pay you what you're not worth. So walk in there. And if you do not feel yourself, if you don't think you're worthy, sure, take the low pay. But if you think, and if you think that you deserve what you do, everybody does. If you deserve to get paid for all the hard work and the passion you put behind it, ask for it. Because you sure as hell don't want to be in a company that is looking to pay someone that it feels unworthy. That's exactly right. 100%. Ken? No, yeah, I this, totally, sorry, totally. this episode kind of took a deep turn. Is feel like we should throw in a couple of jokes. <laughs> what did one speaking of cannibals what did one cannibal say to the other cannibal while eating a clown don't know doesn't tastes this funny. taste funny <laughs> dad jokes i got two kids man i can say all the dad jokes i want and you have to accept it <laughs> well no i thought this was gonna be a technical episode we were gonna talk about film creativity editing we kind of did software Wait. how you went from opera to this well, I, yeah, I did go we, from... We did gloss over an important period of your life. We did. I mean, I, I went to school. I went to college for singing opera. Um, and what's, I was, the, what's the name of your band that's on iTunes? Uh, 19 Machine. 19 Machine. 19 Machine. Then I did another thing called it with Andrew Kent. That was my solo. Uh, I did a lot of stuff there. And I produce people and vocal arrange for a lot of artists now. And it's a lot of fun. And, you know, it was interesting because I, you know, we, I do, I got pretty far in the R&B pop world, and I sang. I never did opera again, but that was some of the best training I could ever do uh, because it's it's kind of like training for a marathon, but not doing a marathon. You're in the incredible shape, right? Really? I mean, oh, I mean, it's, it's, it's like... Vocal I'm, control is insane. I can hold it. I, at my longest, I think I held a note, one single note for a minute and eight seconds. <sighs> wow. Straight. And that's... And they're... they're and at... Because of that training, I teach other people when they come in. I, I, they're like, do you teach voice lessons? I said, hell no. I don't want to hear you sing bad 12 times a week for months. I'm going to give you about a 20-minute lesson, and then I don't ever want to see you again. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. I want you to go do your own thing because you don't need someone sitting there telling you, unless you want some encouragement, not me. That's not the guy. I got other things I got to do. But I will give you a 20-minute lesson that changes your world. And it's it's all about it's all about just just the functionality, the fundamentals, and the form. And I mean, you know, I can I, I tell people I'm like you you can sing this entire line. You're saying I'm running out of breath. I'm like because you're not doing it right. Mm-hmm. And it's all breaks down to mathematics. It's like you're giving the wrong values to the wrong notes, right? Or the wrong values to all the different notes. And it's it's about breathe. Everything's about breathing. But because of that, you know, I, I was able to do. Did pop R&B. I did some kind of folky acoustic stuff for fun, like Ed Sheeran type, you know, you know, ginger guy kind of stuff, except I'm not ginger. I'm Italian, so that didn't work out real well. Couldn't play guitar either, so I was just sitting in a bar in a coffee shop with a guy playing guitar, and I was like, well, this isn't quite intimate, so I left. And then I did rock because I was like, I want to challenge myself. I wanted to do rock. I've always had this, like, R&B soulful type voice, and I was like, let me get some, some rasp in there. And man, that was the most fun I ever had was singing rock because no one cared if you were perfect. So and our, that was the best part. Our first road show was all the way down in Conroe, and you and I got to ride down together and yeah. come back. I don't think that we went 
uh, a solid 60 seconds where the two of us weren't singing and do we sang the entire time down and back sang and what, snuggled what did you so fantastic yes, snuggled it's the two s's yeah <laughs> sing and snuggle while unbeknownst to you you were all COVID-y. Yes. What did you call and tell me the day after we got back? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I had no idea that I was sitting there singing my COVID blues. <laughs> I had no idea. Called Eric and I was like, hey, man, I've got it. He's like, what? <laughs> I've got it. That was really yeah. funny. So who gave it to me? Who gave, Did you give it to me? No, I don't, I don't know that I've ever had it. Well, I've never had symptoms of COVID. I'll put it that way. But... Uh, I did stick to, at that point in time, Ken and I were both talking about, both on COVID files and as well just amongst each other, what was it we needed to be doing? We were mostly following the FLCCC guidelines, et cetera, and whether that's exactly what worked for me or didn't, I was getting my rest, I was doing what I needed to do, and you're the testament to it. You were positive the day after you and I spent over eight hours together in yeah. my truck and singing I, the whole time. Singing the whole time. And just spitting all over each other. Yeah. And then, of course, the snuggles. Yes. Rubbing that spit in. And <laughs> it's just, wow. I, I forgot about that. That's yeah. when I tested positive. I was like, well, that's And great. that was way back when we were still kind of confused by the whole situation. Yeah, like, that, was very, that was very yeah, was early. This was, yeah, I mean, this is before. Wasn't it like March? No, this would have been uh, October of 2020. Because it was right before the election, because we went down. That's, yo, you're right. You're right. It was we right before the election. Oh, spike, uh, from, spike a producer, from a producer standpoint, stop banging on the table. Uh, back to me. Yes. Back in October. <laughs> <laughs> uh, back in October. I do remember that now. Yeah, that was fun. That was a, that was, that was a really cool brewery. And yeah, that was the episode I we still did. have the shirt. High fructose corn. We all got the same spike. red shirt. Do you remember that? Yeah. We should mm-hmm. all oh, we should all worn that today. We did that after we came back. We did yeah, you did. where him and I just wore that shirt. Yeah, thanks for including yeah. me. Yeah. It's awesome. I got one and then just got left behind. We, we were got, hoping that you were wearing it. Here's your consolation prize. While I was editing. That's all I was wearing, actually. <laughs> just that red shirt, just so I could feel close to you guys. Yeah, that's it. So next time anybody watches the Gut Check Project, realize the editor is pantsless the whole time. Absolutely. Just Careful of my editing chair. That's mine. <laughs> mine alone. Mine only. Well, Paul, thank you for everything that you do for us on uh, GCP. Thanks for the- This is only the beginning. Yeah. Just wait. You guys have no idea whether they like it or not. We're about to, this is about to get ridiculously crazy. And it'll be my life's challenge to get these guys to do it. We're going to do it. And it's going to be phenomenal. And you're going to love it. And it's going to be something that you guys have never seen before. And see, I'm, you see how I'm putting on an episode, so you have to do it now? Yeah. You like this? Yeah, I like and this. I edit it, so I'm not going to yeah. take it out. I, I just realized this whole episode was a lead-in so that he's going to make us do something. It's like live in the moment. Jump in. You, you know, see that? the little wind. How do you it's, feel it's about yourself this, now, Ken? This was all a psychological trap. Do we you just... feel comfortable? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about your emotional side of this thing. Yes. What really fuels you? I just know that I am always going to try and make the moment good so that the end product is great. Whatever that moment that you're going to put us in, <laughs> we will Don't try worry. to make it good. You're in good hands. I got you. Well, that's going to do it for episode number 98. This is the awesome Paul Rogers. Paul, thanks for everything you've done for the show. God, it was such an anxiety 
small one second, half a second. I was like, do I go right hand, left hand? Am I, am I coordinated bump, enough? What are you gonna I was going to like and this slam made, my microphone. It made me comfortable to fish you into that. That's the only thing that I could do. God, did you, you probably, I don't know if you saw like my life flash before my <laughs> eyes when you put your hand up. I was like, no, dude, it's it's so annoying. Paul, thank you for coming. Ah, yeah, oh, oh, no. <laughs> no we it's the turkey. <laughs> it's the turkey. <laughs> <laughs> Thank y'all so much for being a part of Gut Check Project and KBMD Health Family. Uh, Ken, anything else to close out? No, with? that's great. Just uh, appreciate all the work that you do for us, Paul. For sure. And the, the, the end product's fantastic. Thank like, you. subscribe, follow, share on all platforms. And it's going to say it again. Actually, I'm going to say it again here in a minute at the end of the thing. But I want you to know from me, from me, like, follow, share, subscribe. Tell everybody about it because everybody needs to know. Thank you. Do it for Paul. Do it for Paul. Do it for me. In turn, it'll make you better. That's it. See y'all. That's a wrap for this episode of the Gut Check Project, and we appreciate you for being a part of it. Be sure to follow us on your favorite platform for podcasts. You can find the GCP on Locals, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Rumble, and more. And you can always check out gutcheckproject.com to find all episodes and interact with the show. Tell your friends and family not to wait to get Gut Checked.